Hello everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the House of the Dragon podcast with myself and my co-host Ben, the Hello. expert on Game of Thrones. Ben, yeah. what will we be doing today? Well, talking about House talking of the Dragon. Talking to the mic, please. Yeah, yeah, talking about House of the Dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep, we're going to be talking about the next episode of House of the Dragon, episode two. Yeah, like yeah. the similar, uh, similar to the last episode before, we'll be talking about having a little overview, having then talking about the books, uh, Dragon Watch. Then I'm going to talk about medieval history, and then we're going to finish with a character of the week. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So, without further ado, what the episode. Yeah, what happened this week? Now, this week was an interesting one. It was. It's a lot more difficult, I think, to describe than last week's because last week's was very straightforward. But this week, we have uh, basically Damon is in Dragonstone, kind of being a bit of an ass. Um, He's just chilling and being moody, really. Yeah, and he s has stolen an egg. Yes. Which is uh, typically then given to a child uh, when it's given. Yep. And it's a kind of direct kind of jab at the whole air succession. It's, it is also, the egg is seen as a bit of a, another sign of legitimacy within, right. the, within the Targaryen family. Got you, got But you. yeah, he's stolen an egg. We see Otto wanting to go over Corys. We see a lot of political from Corys Valerian yeah. this, this week. We see him attempt to marry his daughter. Him talking about the stepstones and the crab feeder, which I go mm. through more in the book, so what we see in that. And um, just being a lot more involved in last episode, which I like because I think he's a brilliant character. Yeah, 100%. Um, we see the uh, King Viserys announce that he's going to marry Alison Hightower, the, the daughter of the Hand of the King. Yeah, um, Rhaenyra is his best friend, but I get not not really a thing in certain things. But mm. yeah, and do we see much else? Or is there just a lot of character development in this one? I'd say it's majority of it is character development. There's nothing wrong with a show choosing to develop its characters for an episode and being yeah. less plot worthy because that's what makes the show like you're yeah. not there for the plot most of the time you're there for the characters. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, and we get obviously that little bit of a dragon off a little bit of conflict almost a fight at the end. I don't think it would have ever been a fight to be honest from knowing yeah. their relationship. Fair right enough. so we just is there anything else? Are we missing anything else in the show? You watched it uh, like like more recently in time than I, I did. did. I did. Um, yeah, no, I think that was it really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, the first thing we see in the books is Damon take over Dragonstone. So, that doesn't really happen. It, um, it's more of a. Uh, he goes to Roomscape. Not Roomscape? No. <laughs> Roomscape. Uh, I'm trying to think. She, she, her, her, his wife is a Royce. Who live in a place called Rune something, but can't remember which one. <laughs> so in the Vale, he goes to the Vale, and then he gets bored, and then he fucks off to the um, to the Free Cities, and he's living in the Free Cities. It's kind of like a guest, kind of like a I'll bring you dragon with dragons if mm. you don't let me stay here. And he does steal an egg. Ah. And unlike in the, again, but the books that this is based off are based like a history book, not a person, yeah. not a point of view character book. Okay. So we. In the books, they say, oh, we had a baby, but the baby died. That's mm. why he stole the egg. But obviously, in the show, we see him go, he'd never had it. She was never pregnant. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. have a baby. But, like, she can't have a baby. She no. mentions that she can't have a baby. Right. Um, which, this paramour does stay 
um, she'd just stay in in the plot for longer than you think she would. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because she turns out to be quite useful in certain ways. Uh, but yeah, like so. Yeah, the, according to that, they never have a baby. But according to the book, she does have a baby. But again, the books are based in a history style with three main sources. There's the court jester, known as Mushroom, who's a little nice. dwarf man. <laughs> There's a septum, who is a female religious figure, normally like a nun. Mm. Uh, and there is the grand maester of the time, the one we're seeing. Um, I can't remember his, second, his, his name. But there are three sources in the books. Mm. And then it's all written by another maester. Hi, got you. Um, who, who came up as the maester afterwards, as... Uh, as well as there's a couple more little sources but there are three main sources so in the book it's like a history book it needs like the the maester who wrote it has a tendency to agree with some of the sources more and disagree with some of the others mm. but he will still mention what they said about events got you got you um so yeah we've got that in both the books in one nice and fire and then i also think we'll talk about the triumphy the the kingdom of the three daughters or known colloquially as the kingdom of the three whores which is three of the, of the, uh, the, there's Valerian, which is the family, and Valerian, which ah, is the culture. <laughs> okay. And it's annoying. Yeah. Because George R. Martin says them wrong. Um, which he does a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. But that's because of his, like, tangy accent. Yeah. Um, so three of the Valerian colonies, Mir, Tyros, and Lys, who are the, all based on, like, the southern coast. Lys mm. is based on an island. Um, which is, it was the, like, uh, pleasure colony of the Valerian Freehold. So, like, it's like a lot of holidays, and they do prominently in the books. We keep on seeing it not in the show, both shows, mm. that Lysini Lis- characters should look like Targaryens. Yeah. But they don't. Right. Um, yeah. Not all of them, but yeah, so that was kind of like the holiday home of the Targaryens. Mm. So they have a lot more um, bastards there. So a lot of the tar- Valerian blood carries on through them. Then we've got the Tyroshi, who are... So, Dario. Remember Dario from Game of Thrones? He took Tyroshi. But in the ah. books, Tyroshi are very famous for dyeing their beards. Okay. And dyeing their hair, like, orange and blue. Oh, wow. And that's... Um, it's kind of based off... Uh, what is the place again? The place with the snails. Because Tyros has snails. The place with the snails? For ancient history... Um, you know snails that make dye? Yeah. What was it? What place was it? It wasn't Troy, was it? No. An island city on, yeah. the, on the eastern side of the Mediterranean. I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, it's based on... Yeah. Um, so they have like snails. Their main thing is textiles. They export a lot of textiles. And then we've got Mir, which is slightly more northern. About in line with King's Landing. So reasonably warm, but can still get quite cold. Okay. Um, which... They, uh, we see, we see Mir a lot in the first season of Game of Thrones, because mm. that's where Danny and Viserys are living. Ah. With um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, with the trade man, that's that's Mir. Mm. Um. So they all ally together to stop fighting over an area called the Broken Lands, which is like a line, the borderland between them. So they kind of have all the three cities kind of have a. Italian city-state kind of vibe. Okay, yeah. So they hire mercenaries to fight mercenaries, and that's oh, yeah. about it. Like, they never really fight directly themselves. Yeah. Um, so they ally together, stop fighting over that land, unify for about 50 years. Um, 
and then they decide to invade this area called the Stepstones, which I'm sure you could put a map up showing where they are, um, which is between Dawn and Tyrosh. It's these bunch of islands that were said to be a, a land bridge at one point and how the first man got onto Westeros. Um, but it's been filled with pirates because it's on a major shipping route because it's the only way to get from the Narrow Sea to the Summer Sea. Okay. Um, so the Narrow Sea is the sea between Westeros and Essos. Mm. So we've got the major trading cities like, um, not Old Old Town and Lannisport on the other side, but we've got um, uh, Gull Town, King's Landing, Maidenpool, Dustinport, Dustin um, and White Harbour. They're all on this coast. These are three of the three of the cities in the realm mm. on this coast. The other two biggest cities on the other coast. Um, so yeah, they've taken over. The pirates are getting really annoying. So these these the the triumphant takes over with their ship, and we got the the crab feeder. He's a yeah. he's a Tyroshi um, admiral. And so they take over. At first, they're just charging little bits for the ships. They're like, ah, oh, give us a penny, you can go mm. past. We're keeping the place clear, pirates. And most traders are for it. Yeah. But then he then they get more and more expensive, and then they start demanding captives. Because Lys is known for its sex slaves, so they start taking little boys and little girls uh. and slaves, and so then they get more and more demanding, and then uh, the crab feeder then decides he'll be his own king, so he declares himself the king of the Stepstones. So this is the point we're at at the moment, that's yep. the bit we see at the end with Damon and yes. Corey's talking. Mm. They are a little bit, this bit spoilery, because the show is now making out like oh they're going to ally together to take out the series yeah they're not um they're going to go down to the stepstones and take over the stepstones ah okay and damon will become um king but we'll see so would you say that's kind of like how kind of daenerys conquered kind of more of the region that she was in before getting the iron throne that kind of that's what he's trying to do no it's never seen as that in the books we've not seen Mm. it yet the episode might do it differently it's kind of just seen oh sorry it's kind of just seen as um as him wanting to do something he's bored oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. so and then with Corey's, it's a lot more about trade with him right got you um for those two because he's um damon is very good at bringing because he's so like courageous and Mm. brave a lot of people flock to him as you yeah. see with his gold cloaks and um a lot of people will flock to him a lot of like knights that I haven't seen much yeah um like as i mentioned tawny knights and and yeah. actual knights um they're all knights it's just tawny knights haven't seen much combat so a lot of these knights will rush to him to get a bit of combat because mm. it's been such a long reign of peace since jahiri's took over the king before the series i think it's been the only war so far in the targaryen realm Mm. was the um there's a semi-clash between Magar, uh who was um who was Aegon's second son and Ares and then Ares' children um Aegon, Rhaenyra's, Jaehaerys and Alicent they and also with Magar and the Faith so that was about 20 years into the Targaryen realm uh, not realm what am I trying to say reign uh, 20 years into Targaryen reign mm. and then since then there's been pretty much nothing war-wise oh. it's been very peaceful so it's, what's well, been about 150 years yeah of peace okay 
So, like, yeah, people get a bit... There's been little bits, as mm. I always wear, but there's no kingdoms fighting. They haven't invaded Dawn in a while. Like, it's just a lot of peace. And people are annoyed. A lot of these martial type are annoyed by it. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to see them invade there. Trying to think anything else really happens that's massively different in the books. Obviously, the Dragonstone thing um, doesn't happen, so we don't see the clash between Otter and... Damon in such a direct way. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's before this time. At one point, Otto does get removed his hand, but it would have happened before now. Yeah. Uh, but then he gets brought back. Uh, okay. So he gets seen as like overreaching and he's yeah. bugging off for five years, but then Viserys really struggles to find a good hand to replace him. Yeah. So he never really gets brought back. And then. Yeah, so we again, again, as we mentioned last week, a lot of things are a little bit different in time. So by this time, Viserys was already married to Alison Hightower, mm. where now we're just it's happening. Um, obviously, Alison, we mentioned before, Alison and Rhaenyra's were never really friends. Um, we see a lot from the Queen that never was. She's a really interesting character. Yeah. So she's half Baratheon, half Targaryen. Got it. Oh, there's a thing. We'll do it in more of the character of the week when we talk about Corys. Corys a bit more. But um, the reason she's married to Corlys is because during a war in Dawn, there's some Dawnish rebels that take over. Not a massive war, mm. but it's why um, Aemon, her father, is dead. He gets shot by a crossbowman. Oh, God. Um, out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, it's only like a war of like a few thousand. Okay. Um, and Corlys is running it with Aemon. They're doing it together. It's like a joint operation. Um, again, Corlys with the navy supplying and yeah. him taking the land. So that's why they're kind of married together. Mm. Um, it, does this, do we see anything else that's, that's massively different? No, I can't think of anything else plot-wise. Yeah. Uh, we'll do character of the week. Dragon of the week. Same two dragons. Yep. I really like the noises. I did too. The kind uh, of whale dolphin clucking. Yeah, I think it worked. It's actually like so much scarier. I thought that too. Than yeah. actual like a roar because what's yeah. a, we never see any lizard set roar, so I think <laughs> yeah. it kind of suits a bit more, a bit less yeah. of a stretch. But they also, in that same sense, the Game of Thrones dragons all sounded the same in that sense that they just had a roar and or look. Whereas, the same. yeah, true. Whereas these two dragons, even in their sound were different which i even like too that even though they used the dolphin kind of clicks they were kind of separate as well one was a bit more kind of screechy one was a bit more clicky kind of thing but damon's dragon mm. was aemon's dragon the one yeah uh, her, his her mother's the queen of one's mother's dragon in that war ah, i see so that it that dragon and damon's dragon is known for being very used to combat yeah at this time in the history so we by the start of the dance of dragons which we are going to see there's about 14 dragons. I don't think we're going to get all 14, to be honest. Some of them are a bit more important right. than others. Budget reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but his dragon isn't the oldest. It isn't no. the biggest. There's one bigger. Okay. Um, no, there's two bigger, actually. But, like, it is the most used to combat. Mm. In, in its short time, it's had the most time. We have got... We, we heard mentions of Vagar, didn't we? Yeah. So in the book, Vagar's just sat at Dragonstone napping all the time. Oh, okay. But clearly in this, it went, oh, it's not a Dragonstone. Because uh, yeah. half the dragons are in the dragon, but half them are in Dragonstone. But it's like, it's not a Dragonstone, he's just wandering the night. See, we're clearly going to see Vagar come back. I was, gonna, I was literally about to ask you that. The way Vagar they is kind very of important to the story. Okay, interesting. Um, 
But Vagar's a very big dragon at this time. It's the biggest dragon, the oldest dragon at this yeah. time. Cool. Um, one of uh, it's for series Aegon the Conqueror's sister's mm. dragon, and we are gonna see um, him come back because there's a lot of good stuff with Vagar. Oh, yeah. um, the main antagonist to Rhaenyra's will end up riding Vagar, uh, unless they change things. But yeah, we shall see. Right, cool, so there's our dragon watch. Obviously, we see um, Rhaenyra's dragon again, and mm. we do see the little fight on the bridge, which I think worked quite well. Because I, yes. I, but I don't think that, that he would have ever fought Rhaenyra's. I guess the thing is, that, as well, is that I think it would have been too early to have like a battle. Also, he wants to. He wants the shagger. Like he. So I didn't kill her. So I didn't, and they are quite close at this time. Mm. They're like. Their family isn't huge, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so they are. They are very close at this time. Got you. And they will become closer. Ooh. Without any more spoilers, right? What do we think of the history side, Luke? Well, it wasn't obviously. It was a bit <laughs> trickier uh, uh, this week because it wasn't as blatant as last week with the, like the tournament. But one thing that we kind of mentioned last week, and I'm going to be shorter as well to not make this like an hour long. Um, is that we kind of sprinkled it in last week about this kind of idea of female succession, female rule. And there's a really interesting thing that, um, was it the queen that never was? Uh, yeah. Says to... Rhaenyra's and Rhaenyra's. Rhaenyra's and Rhaenyra's. I know it's... Which one is it? Rhaenyra's <laughs> <laughs> uh, is uh, the princess, the young yeah. princess, and Rhaenyra's is the old princess. I think. I, I get confused myself, to be honest. Okay, well, the blonde one, anyways. The, uh, right, they're still both blonde. Ah. The old one. Yes. <laughs> That's why everyone gives them nicknames. The yeah. queen that never was. So, anyway, well, she says to her, she says something along the lines of, like, men would rather die than see, kind of, like, a woman on the throne. Yeah. So, I thought it'd be really interesting, because it's kind of, there seems to be this theme, obviously, we have in today's discourse about kind of female empowerment, there seems to be this kind of underlying topic of female rule and female power. Obviously, in Game of Thrones, you had Daenerys, a very strong leader. But I feel like that they might... I don't know why I disagree with you there, but yeah. You do? But she's a strong leader, yeah. Well, okay, but she's a leader. <laughs> <laughs> but so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about in history an example of... Um, a woman who wielded a lot of power and why that was. So the top kind of the case study that we're going to be using is Adela of Blois, who lived from 1067 to 1137. Now, there is kind of about five reasons for her power. And I guess you could, it'd be interesting to kind of reflect these reasons onto the characters to see how they match up. The first was Bloodline. Uh, Adela of Blois was the youngest daughter of William the Conqueror. And she was the wife of Stephen Henry, the Duke of, um, who would be the Duke, sorry, the Count of Blois, uh, Chartres, all sorts of various um, really powerful places. And he was the eldest son of Tybalt III. So she is basically, um, oh, she, her brother is also the future king. So she's got a brother who's the future king, a dad who is king. And uh, a husband who is extremely powerful, and she is kind and of she have a great nephew that becomes a king, isn't that? Um, uh, Stephen and something. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, so she's kind of almost the linking point of like two really powerful families of kind of kingship between England and France, two of the most powerful countries. And so, in terms of bloodline, 
that in itself uh, stood for a lot for, for Adela. And I guess when we talk about the Targaryens, that kind of idea of bloodline really plays into it. The next is, as I said, marriage. Um, so Stephen, what's interesting as well is um, that uh, Stephen afforded Adela a lot of power as well. Rather than putting her on the back seat and just saying, and, and just kind of holding this traditional concept of that you're going to make babies, he saw that she was an adequate rule. The reason for that was because when they married, <laughs> when they married, Adela was 20 yeah. when Stephen was 40. So he understood that she will most definitely outlive him, which he ended up doing because he died on crusade. Um, so he kind of from... Knew he should be running a regency. Exactly. So she then went in kind of equal. And again, that's another interesting thing because obviously in Game of Thrones they talk about this kind of concept of the queen being the childbearing figure. That's kind of the primary role. So um, essentially... What happens is, is that, um, so Stephen dies, she kind of becomes regent and ruler. At this point, she has two very young sons. It would not be for another 10 years, 15 years or so that her son would then take over at the age of 14. But she was well-educated as well. And that's another big thing, is um, that she was more literate, more on it than Stephen was. And he understood that as well. Um, so, you know. As we've seen with Rhaenyra's. Exactly. Yeah, and we see that in the, in this episode where she kind of intervenes in the court rulings as well. And then we obviously have personality. Um, so people admired her. We see even ecclesiastes such as Eva of Chart really kind of recognise her as a great patron. Now, there's what's really interesting about Adela is that people such as Orderic Vitalis and other kind of chroniclers call her a lord rather than a lady. So that's interesting that these kind of gendered terms actually did have a bit of flexibility that you could be afforded as a woman the same power as a man and they saw her in that way um, she was a great patron she commanded men she protested against the um, king of france she gave vast she intervened on a vast number of political theological and judicial affairs and she just had so much committal power now obviously what typically happens in history is that the son then takes over and they stick their mum in the nunnery to be able to get rid of that what we see with Adela is quite the opposite when her son takes over we see 25 charters being made from 1101 to 1109 this shows that she still attains that power, equal power. So in the same way that she ruled equally with her husband, she's now ruling equally with her son. Um, so it'd be interesting, I guess, however the show may develop, whether in rather than a sole female ruler, whether we see more of an equal rule between men and women. I don't know. Um, but um, essentially, the idea is, is that she acted as a king would, as a lord would. She toured the domain, she dispensed justice, she defended the church, and people saw her as a lord, saw her as holding male power. Now, obviously, this is definitely unique. There's plenty of examples of uh, women such as, um, I believe her name was Countess Margaret, um, and her husband, Count Charles died in Bruges. He was assassinated. 
uh, again in the 1100s, and she pretty much just went away into darkness. Quite a famous one is Eleanor of Aquitaine, yeah. causing her sons to rebel against her husband like four or five times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, oh god, after the f- you've tried once, why do you keep yeah. on going? <laughs> and I mean, with Eleanor of Aquitaine, she travelled to the Crusades because obviously Aquitaine produced. Uh, and contributed a large number of troops, so she wanted to be seen as a military leader as well. So you, there are plenty of examples in history of women acting with the same, even more power than men. But with um, with Game of Thrones mm. being like, uh, there's the whole thing with the War of the Five Kings being yeah. very loosely based off the War of the Roses. Yeah, yeah. And the history being, I think, very mainly based off the English royal family. Mm. Um, what do you think about like with female rulers taking over an English crown? Because obviously we had um, wasn't Stephanie, was it? When Conqueror's oldest son's daughter. Oh my god! The uh, one that Stephen's mother. And then Henry takes back over, doesn't he? That's a good question. To which that, I'm not sure. Oh uh, yeah, right. So we have <laughs> her. She's our first real English queen, kind yeah. of, but she's never called one. Mm. Um. I want to be called, she's like called like Master or something, a Magistrate or some weird oh, thing. Like something, if I remember correctly, she's, something, mm. she's called something weird. And then we obviously don't get a queen for most of the medieval period. Yeah. Until the very end of the medieval period of what you see as medieval period and what yeah. historians, which is um, Mary uh, Mary Tudor, the, mm. our first real queen. Yeah. And after that, we get a, a lot more. Mm. But like, would, do you think they would have seen it in the same way we've not had a queen we can't have a queen kind of situation yeah that's an interesting one I mean obviously in the case of Adela I think what you have to understand is that obviously at the end of the day she was just a countess which in the hierarchy of kind of of the pan- political hierarchy uh, isn't that really that far up very she's, varied in strength exactly. as well some I mean, countesses she, yeah. might be very weak with some might be very strong exactly I mean she is obviously got one of the most powerful areas of France her father is of course the king of england her brother becomes king of england blah blah but at the end of the day she's a countess getting towards then the queen that's a very different story because of course you do have elements of divine right of rule uh, which some countries take more seriously than others and this kind of idea of that that women in this period were somewhat weaker than men eve came from the rib of adam she is more likely to succumb to the devil um is that something we want a queen to be? Also, we have the the king's main job, mm. besides producing an heir, which is yeah. basically, is to lead armies. Mm. Even as far as we see, like with the the Spartan kings, yeah. that was pretty much their only job. And mm. Sparta actually had two kings at the same time. Yeah, and that was their only job with the Greek city states was to lead up. The, the political power was not in their hands. Mm. They would just they'd sign off, they'd tick things, very similar to our current royal family, they'd tick the law, like, oh, after all now. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and they'd just lead armies. Mm. So there's a big thing I know with seeing a woman lead an army, but obviously in our, in, in House of the Dragon, she's a dragon rider, she could lead an yeah. army. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. we see women lead armies. We see both of Aegon's sisters lead armies. Mm. We see Jahiri's sister leading an army. Um, yeah. Both of his sisters, one of which he marries. Um, but So we see women lead armies, so I don't know what they're scared about as much. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's definitely, I think... And we don't that... have... the We have the face of the new gods, the face mm. of the, the seven deities, but there's no real scripture written down for that. We don't... like. There's no, like, there's little bits that we pop up now and again, but it's, it's, not, mm. like, it's not as much as... Um, 
say Lord of the Rings, where he's written out the whole religious yeah. aspect yeah. of it. Because uh, Gur is what some people refer to as. Focuses a lot more on the politics side of yeah. things. But we there isn't much resistance to having a queen. There isn't yeah. any religious because we already have the the article of exceptionism, which means Targaryens don't have to follow normal religious rules. Of course. So they already have that exemption. Yeah. Well, I wonder if maybe in the case that's kind of similar, and this is where, I guess, perhaps p- politics meets culture. Because whilst it might be in the politics yes, and the scripture... That's, 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 one, one thing the, we'll see is, because Game of Th- the world of Westeros is made up of... It's not one culture group. Yeah. It's the seven kingdoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually eight or nine kingdoms. Um, <laughs> as soon as Dawn joins, mm. it becomes nine. Which is... The Westeros has nine distinct major culture groups Mm. in it with some little culture groups within those culture groups. And we will see her allies and her enemies' allies, who we're not going to mention yet because it's not come up yet, Mm. later on in the war, come from specific culture groups. Mm. Which ones do you reckon it would be? I'm too scared to say in case I get it wrong because I know it will get wrong. She gets fewer than the other guys. So just name two of the... Okay. So we've got the North, the Iron Islands, I mean, the Riverlands, the Vale, Dawn's not part of the Seven Kingdoms yet, the Reach, um, the okay. Westerlands, and the Stormlands and the Crownlands. The North? Yeah. And the... The bit south of Dawn? No, because Dawn, 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 oh, Dawn doesn't North. really get right. involved. They're not part of the Kingdom. Go, yeah, go, yeah. Go on. Uh, I think it... Indulge. The other one is... A large part of the Vale, which is weird. Because oh, okay, yeah. But the Vale very often ends up having female rulers. Ah, I see. And um, Rhaenyra's mother is from the family of the Lean family of Vale. Right, have you got any more on the history side, Luke, darling? No, that is that is it for now. We see a lot better armour-wise, don't we? Oh, yes, yes. I uh, saw... That's seven nights. I, now, I don't want to preempt anything, but I did see a... Uh, still from the trailer of the next episode and I saw a lovely gorget that Damon <laughs> was wearing. Now I feel like I do want to make like some merch that says like, I don't know, bigger the gorget the better or something like that. <laughs> bigger the gorget the better. It's going to become, I feel like it's now going to become a, a running thing. We need a new segment like spot the gorget. Um, but yeah, so it seems so what to be if they all end up having gorgets? <sighs> then it's... You'll be happy, man. <laughs> I will, you, you, will you can die happy, yeah. But right. yeah, so yeah, definitely armor's getting better. So we've got our character of the week, which is Corey's Valerian. So uh, he is a very famous trader and seafarer. He does his first journey when he's six with his uncle mm. to Mir from um, his his island where he comes from, his, which is a drift driftstone driftrock. I can't think of it now. Um, and then he ends up like basically as a tea, becoming a very proficient, and does his first solo journey at like fourteen. And then he goes on these um, these journeys, they're called the Nine Voyages of uh, the Sea Snake, because his nickname is the Sea Snake. Yeah. And he basically travels the whole of the known world of Westeros. Further, like, some of it is more known than others, because some of it like, is passed on. But he goes all the way to Carth, all the way to Ashai, all the way, uh, all the way, he does a northern trip and goes all the way to Ib, which... If you put like if people Google the Game of Thrones map, you'll see there's a massive journey. Mm. Um, and on his last voyage, I think he has twenty ships when he goes. He goes to Carth, trades out all of his stuff for twenty ships, 
comes back with his 20 chips filled to the brim with the most rare things in Westeros. And elephants. Oh. Uh, not all the chips make it back, and nor do the elephants. Um, but he becomes, he, in, in his nine voyages, he goes from a reasonably powerful family, because they're quite low, close to the Targaryens, they're yeah. literally the island next to it. Mm. Driftmark, that's it, Driftmark. They're literally the island next to it, they've been quite close, they're friendly, and now they're, they're friends and now they're kings. But before that, they were quite weak. Mm. To, it goes from like what I would call a moderate minor power mm. kind of thing to the richest lord in the realm. Wow. Richer than the Tyrells and the Reach with all their farms, richer than the Lannisters with all their gold. Um, and yeah, and he carries on trading and this becomes a thing. So he becomes very famous. And then he also does a few of the little minor wars. He's very eager to get involved in them. He's just very prominent in the realm. That's why we yeah. see him as our master of ships. But at this time, he's actually not the master of ships. He's disagreed with the series a few times. He's been ma- he goes back and forth to being master of ships. Yeah. That. Um, but it is a title that's very much seen as being held hereditary by his family. Mm. It's not officially, but so many members of his family have done it that um, they're seen it that way. He's, uh, he's, he's named after his uncle or his great uncle, who was the first Lord Commander of the King's Guard. But yeah, it's a very they've always been very prominent within the fa- uh, yeah. Targaryen family. They marry in, in a lot. Um, but yeah, he's a very, very well-known man in his time. And he's one to keep an eye out for. Mm. Yes. We're going to see a lot of Habsburgian breeding. <laughs> and Classic. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see that a lot coming through. But yeah. Brilliant. Well, there we are. Another great episode, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very good episode. I liked it a lot. It seemed a lot more like... polished yes. than I thought than the first episode. Like, Definitely. Especially with the scenery. The yes. acting, fine in the first episode. But clearly it's not a pilot. They could put a bit more budget in. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see actually how what the budget increase was from the first to the second episode. Well, the thing is, it may be the same budget, but then they already had all the other stuff built, so then they can. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, because they've already like, mm. like the thing is, if you got the same budget for every episode, yeah, you can add on, add on, add on, add on, add on, can't yeah. you? So yeah, true, true, true. But yeah, armor was a lot more polished, I thought, from the bits yes. of armor we did see. Yes, no, definitely. I was, uh, I was more than happy with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> better than most things nowadays. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Thanks Cheers. for listening to us. Make sure to look at the previous episodes. Make sure to look at other episodes about history, about interviews and all the other stuff. And we will be carrying on this series. We definitely will be. Whew. How many episodes of the Game of Thrones? Normally they go 10 a season. And there was what, 16 total? 68. So we're going to be doing this until we are about 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pound it. Cheers for watching. <laughs>